Welcome to the Asbury Beeham podcast. Inside our church walls, we reinforce the message worship, serve, grow, and via this podcast, you can strive to grow in your spiritual life anytime, anywhere. Today, Reverend Michael Bowman delivers the sermon for Advent that he was unable to deliver on Sunday, November 27th. Advent begins in the dark, but Michael says we have reason to hope. Today's scripture reference comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 25, and this is the NRSV version. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God, during his section's turn of duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit." He will turn many of the people of Israel to their Lord God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and to the disobedient, to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I know that this will happen? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he returned to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, This is what the Lord has done for me in this time, when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. If you have ever uttered the prayer, Come, Lord Jesus, you already know a little bit about Advent. Whether it's the stories that you hear about on your morning commute via your radio, or the headline notifications alerting you across the top of your smartphone, or if it's just when you flip on the evening news, we have all been at one time or another horrified, grieved, maybe even angered by what is happening in the world in which we live. I mean, have you read the news lately? 
or maybe I should ask it this way. Have you two had to stop reading the news lately? Often, the only thing we know to do in moments like this is cry out with the psalmist, How long, O Lord? Because the world as we know it can be a bit dark. And right here in the darkness, this is, this is exactly where Advent finds its genesis. As one of my favorite preachers of all time is fond of saying, Advent begins in the dark. And she's not wrong. She, being Fleming Rutledge, would go on to say, It can be argued that Advent, more than any other season of the church here, is immediately relevant to our concrete lives as individuals. It's immediately relevant to the concrete life of the church under stress and to the concrete headlines in the newspaper. This is the season of the church that most reflects life as we know it. Christ has come, and Christ is coming again. We live right there in the and. This is the only time that we, the church, have ever known, right here in the and. Advent begins the Christian New Year, so Happy New Year to each of you. Um, See, the thing is, we we as Christians tell time differently. (laughs) We live our lives uh, by a different set of rhythms, a rhythm that is centered on a person, a rhythm that is centered on Christ, reminding ourselves of the story of Jesus and that we make up a community of followers called out to bear witness to Christ and his kingdom. So this is Advent. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus. Adventus, which means arrival or coming. See, right here at the beginning of our church year, we enter into this season of waiting, and we're waiting for the coming or the arrival of Christ. And we wait with anticipation. We wait with expectation, trusting that God in Jesus will follow through on his promises to come to his people. This isn't... This isn't simply a warm-up for Christmas, where we're waiting for baby Jesus to come. Now, this, that is part of it, but to stop here would be to completely miss the depth and the meaning of Advent. Jesus has come. We celebrate that with Christmas. And Jesus has promised to come again. That's Advent. Advent is the and. Advent is that time in between. Uh, One way of saying it is we live between the two Advents of Jesus coming and Jesus coming again. It's the tension between the times. See, Advent is all about the waiting. And to harp on this just a little bit more, we are waiting in the dark. For about 400 years before our passage uh, here in Luke 1, God was silent. No prophets, no visions, nothing. 
And yet amidst the silence, we are told about what happened to a priest named Zechariah, who was married to a woman named Elizabeth, who was a descendant of Aaron, you know, Moses's brother. Luke tells his readers that these two, that is, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were both righteous before God. They had lived blamelessly. They were carefully keeping the commandments of God. And here in the silence, we find this priest, Zechariah, still religiously serving his God, Yahweh. And his wife, Elizabeth, who happens to be a descendant of the first ever ordained priest in the story of the Jewish people, is said to still be faithful to this God, Yahweh, as well. Both of them, it can be said, were devoted, true, and yes, as the scriptures say, even righteous. However, they knew about darkness. As if the silence wasn't enough, Elizabeth was never able to conceive. She was, as the Bible says, barren, and the couple was getting older. To be barren, to be unable to bear children, I'd like to slow down here. And, and, and if, we, if you don't mind, let's sit with Elizabeth just for a moment. See, it doesn't take much for some of us, anyway, to imagine the pain, to imagine the heartache or the grief or even the confusion Elizabeth must have experienced. How many times had she prayed for children? How many times had she prayed to her God that she might conceive, that, that it might actually work this time only to be met with silence? I wonder, can you feel the darkness yet? See, to bear children during this day and time was not only greatly valued, but it was seen as the woman's primary role. Motherhood was it. It was everything. So to not be able to live into this role, that is, to be infertile, usually marked a woman as hiding some kind of sin or some kind of wrong. And this, naturally, caused a woman a great deal of shame and dishonor in a culture which was built upon the foundation of shame and honor. You might remember Rachel from the Old Testament, Jacob's wife, pleading with him to give her children, or she says, give me children or else I die. See, that's, that's the severity that we're talking about. That, that's, this is the level that we're on here. This is what Elizabeth would have been feeling. By the way, and this is just, this is just kind of an aside, and I know we could probably explain this away, but have you ever noticed that only women are referred to as barren in the Bible? The men are never mentioned as barren, just, just the women. See, it was Elizabeth's inability to have children that would have left her bearing a weight of shame, living in the dark shadow of her own barrenness. She would have been looked down upon. She would have been questioned. She would have been disgraced. I mean, think about it. For 400 years, the people of God had been fumbling around in the darkness, waiting, no, craving something, anything from their God. And no one would have known this darkness more intimately than Elizabeth. 
Her husband, Zachariah, was, as the story goes, chosen by Lot to enter into the sanctuary of God and to offer incense. Now, as the story is going, this is all pretty normal so far. Zechariah more than likely had made the incense offering before. Uh, this wouldn't have, yeah, this probably wouldn't have been his first time. So as he makes the offering of incense, the rest of the congregation, we are told, and this was normal practice, the rest of the congregation are outside the temple and they're praying while Zechariah makes this offering to God. Yet this is where things take a turn. Zechariah lights the incense, and we're told an angel of the Lord appears at the altar, leaving him petrified. And as the angels usually do, the first words out of his mouth are, do not be afraid. I don't know if you've ever read a biblical description of an angel, but they sound terrifying, like Zechariah had more than likely a reason to fear. But the angel says, do not be afraid. If you have a Bible open or or you can get one really quickly, this is Luke 1, starting in verse 13. The angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, wait a second. What? 400 years of silence. No prophets, no visions, nothing. Just a normal priest with a barren wife taking his shift at lighting the incense in the sanctuary. And then an angel shows up. (laughs) By the way, angel in the Greek is the term angelos, which yes, does mean angel, but can also be translated as messenger. And this angel certainly has a message. After all of this time, amidst the heartache and the questions, amidst the doubt and the confusion, amidst the despair and the disgrace, this angel shares with Zechariah a message of hope. Hear my own paraphrase here. The angel shows up to Zechariah and says, Yahweh hears you. What a message. 400 years of silence. Yahweh hears you. He has heard your cry. He has seen your despair. And he knows what you and Elizabeth have been through. Elizabeth will soon bear you a son. You'll name him John. Joy and gladness will fill you up at his birth. And he'll be great in the sight of Yahweh. Your son will bring the people of Israel back to the Lord their God. And he will prepare a way for the Lord. This is unbelievable, right? Well, Zechariah felt the same way. He responds by asking, really? (laughs) Do you, do you expect me to believe this? I mean, I'm an, I'm an old man and my wife is old too. And the messenger of God responds, I am Gabriel. God sent me to share with you this good news, but because you did not believe me, you will be unable to speak until your son is born. Now remember, this, this whole time, as all this is going on, the people have been outside the sanctuary praying 
And at some point, they begin to get a little bit restless, wondering why it's taking Zechariah so long. So when Zechariah finally comes out, he can't speak. He's muted. And at this point, they realize that he had seen a vision. 400 years. No prophets. No visions. Nothing. And then it happens. God speaks. And when God speaks, Zechariah is muted. <laughs> Yet, Luke tells us that he continues carrying out his priestly assignment using sign language to communicate. And then he goes home. And not long after this, we're told that Elizabeth is pregnant. And Elizabeth would then spend five months alone. What did she do in her solitude? You know, I, I like to imagine Elizabeth smiling. This isn't in the text. This is just, this is my imagination, I guess. So take it for what it's worth. But I imagine her smiling. I imagine Elizabeth taking deep breaths, just relishing the moment. I imagine Elizabeth keeping her hand on her belly as her body makes room and grows within her the baby she has so longed to carry. I imagine that with each ache, each restless night, each nauseated morning, Elizabeth offering it all to her God as a prayer of thanksgiving. She says, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. How, how many times did Elizabeth ask, how long, O oh Lord? How many times did she hit her knees with tears in her eyes and an ache in her heart, crying out to God, when will you answer me? And in this story, as it becomes obvious that Elizabeth is pregnant, she is now able to say to the Lord, this is how Yahweh makes things right. Advent is the season of the church where we wait with great anticipation for God to make things right. We look within ourselves. We look at the world around us. We look to our families and our neighborhoods and our relationships. We take stock of all of it, noticing the darkness within and around us. We get honest about how things really are. We begin to pay attention. I mean, how are you feeling, really? Were you okay with what he said to you? How did that news story hit you? Or are you too longing for God to answer your prayer? Are you too longing for God to hear your cry in the night? Are you too longing for all things to be made right? Advent is a season that gives us the space to long and to yearn and to crave all things being made well. We don't have to pretend like everything's okay. We don't, we don't have to put on a fake, a fake smile and say, I'm fine when we're not. We don't have to play make-believe. We don't have to buy into the lie that if we had enough stuff, if we had the right relationship, if we had the perfect Christmas card, that everything would be 
okay. No, instead we can be honest. We can be our true selves. It's okay to not be okay. We can give time to the things that are not all that good, but we can also give time to the things that are simply just fantastic. We can give time to our joys and our hopes and our dreams, and even to our hurts and our doubt and our grief. This is real life after all. See, Advent teaches us what it means to hope. As we pay attention to the darkness, we are reminded that we have a hope that there is something more. We wait and we long for the coming of the one who will make all things new, who will wipe away every tear, who offers us real life and life abundantly, who cares about our hopes and our dreams, who truly sees us, who truly knows us, and who truly loves us simply for who we are. See, we can't buy that like a present that fits perfectly under our well-trimmed tree that I know most of us already have up in our homes. See, each Advent, we join into the story of all those who have ever felt abandoned, who've ever felt unheard or silenced or in the dark or confused or angry. We join in with those who have cried out, how much longer do you even hear me? Come, Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, lifting our voices alongside theirs. We join into the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth who fumbled their way through the darkness of the world in which they lived, battered by the dishonor of the inability to have children, constantly being met with nothing but silence when praying to their God to hear them, to bless them, to act on their behalf, to give them a child. We sit and we wait. This is all we know to do. But in our waiting, our hands are not inactive. Even Zechariah went about his priestly duties. Our lives, too, continue. We go about our days, we go about our jobs, and yet deep within us, we anticipate that things will be okay, that it will work out, that all, to quote the wonderful Julian of Norwich, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. So why do we live with such anticipation? Well, it's because we have hope. One Franciscan friar or priest describes hope as the patient and trustful willingness to live without full closure, without resolution, and still be content and even happy because our satisfaction is now at another level and our source is beyond ourselves. Our source, our hope is beyond us. This is why, you know, somewhere deep within our guts, amidst trials and tribulations, there is sometimes a flicker within us, just a flicker, holding on for dear life to hope whether we want to or not. Advent begins in the dark, but it doesn't end there. The reminder of Advent is that Christ has come and Christ is coming again. In a world that is dark, filled with war and violence, where sin and death are still at work, where 
people we thought were our friends become our enemies, where those closest to us, be it family members, best friends, significant others, etc., end up hurting us, where a global pandemic is still going on, where mass shootings are a normal alert across our news headlines, where God seems all too silent and things look all too dark. We wait, no, we hope in the coming of Christ to make all things right. And my friends, he's on the move. He will come again. And that means that the war and the violence will cease. The pandemics will come to an end. The light will cast out the darkness. Healing will come to our bodies, wholeness too. Relationships will be restored. Sin and death will be no more. Wholeness, completeness, harmony, shalom. (laughs) Hope, peace, joy, and love will reign in the everlasting kingdom of Jesus. See, our story with Zechariah and Elizabeth actually continues. Um, Elizabeth ends up giving birth, of course, to John, who we know as the baptizer. And at his birth, Zechariah gets his voice back, freaking everyone out. <laughs> I mean, he hadn't been able to speak for nine months, and nobody really knew what was going on. And filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah prophesies. He says, if you want to look there, Luke 1, starting in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Speaking to his now son, John, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. And then he says this, By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. My friends, our God is faithful to his promises. So what if, maybe starting this Advent season, you place your hope in him and let Zechariah's words ring in your ears this Advent season? Because yes, Advent begins in the dark, but it doesn't end there. I mean, hear the words from Zechariah once more. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. Don't forget about our daily Advent devotional podcasts, available now through December 24th. Challenge yourself to listen to these short meditations each day. They're five minutes long.